When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Exodus. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's so great to be here with another wonderful show profiling uh, several amazing women, and my very special guest today is going to be Eunice Ajim. Eunice is the founding partner of Ajim Capital, which is a venture capital firm um, investing specifically in tech startups in Africa. And she's got quite an accomplished journey um, at a very young age. So we'll be talking to her in just a moment. Later in the show, you'll hear from Sherry Morrison, our Lifestyle Watch contributor. And Sherry's going to be joined today by Christina Martinez. Christina is a chef. She is a restaurant owner of two restaurants here in Philadelphia, and she's also an activist. So we're going to be learning about all the work that she's doing here in Philadelphia. And later in the show, I'm so excited to announce uh, Tracy Samia, who is going to be our brand new Leadership Watch contributor. We'll be doing a segment that you'll see uh, towards the end of the show. So now I'm very excited and honored to have on the show Eunice Ajim. Eunice, thanks so much for being here. No, thank you for having me, Sue. Um, It's an honor. Tell me where you're joining us from today. So I'm based out of Austin, Texas, which is where I'm calling today. Austin, and that's that's your kind of a headquarters there? Yes, so I'm based in Austin, Texas, but my team is distributed remotely across um, the African continent. Yeah, so one of the things that's quite interesting about your story is that you were born in Cameroon and you came here at a very young age. You were 15 years old. Um, And one of the things that really um, inspired you was your dad, who was an entrepreneur. And I wonder if you could talk about your relationship with him and how watching him work um, really helped to to impact your own self-esteem. Yeah, definitely. So just quick background about my story. Um, originally from Cameroon, born and raised, um, and moved to the US uh, roughly about uh, ten, 10 and a half years ago. Um, I grew up, I like to say that I grew up with an entrepreneurial dad. Uh, my dad has started multiple businesses from uh, brick and mortars to uh, real estate to very recently he launched a school. 
And I think growing up, um, I was one of those that during the summertime, I didn't really care about, you know, going on vacation or having fun. I wanted to follow my dad to his thoughts. I wanted to learn everything he was doing. Um, and I think one of the biggest skill sets that I learned uh, was like negotiation skills. My dad would take me to his thoughts and be like, hey, if you can't sell some of this um, electronics, you know, I'll give you a commission of, of the sales. So I learned very all, early on how to empathize with clients, how to put yourself in their shoes, how to learn how to sell. Um, and I think that as some of those are some of the things that really I was like, wow, like it's really great to own your own businesses. Um, as I grow up, I don't think I ever want to work for anybody. Um, so that is really the path that I've followed. I've tried to be in corporate America. It hasn't worked for me. Uh, but yeah, like my dad has really impacted, um, to a big degree who I am as a woman today. And he's my best friend. We communicate almost every week. Um, and every time I take an entrepreneurial job, um, he's always there to support me. Yeah. Well, you described yourself growing up as shy, but you had these big, big dreams so, you know, your aspirations were in line with, with what your dad did as far as entrepreneurship. Where did the confidence come to d directly pursue it so young? Yeah, so I moved to the U.S. at the age of 15. I came here as an international student. Um, and uh, when you're an international student, you have to go to school, graduate, get a job. And, you know, depending on the way your job is, you either go back to your country or you stay in the U.S. Um, when I was in school and I moved to the U.S., my dad was like, hey, like, I was just sending to the U.S. You figure it out. <laughs> um, and I think that was really my first uh, uh, expression or like my first experience of entrepreneurship in the U.S. I had started multiple small businesses while I was in Cameroon as a young kid. Um, but I was like, okay, like I have to figure out how to like pay for my tuition, pay my rent, do everything in the US. So I started hair braiding. Um, that allowed me to like pretty much survive in the US and complete my four year degree. But as like I mentioned earlier, as a student, you have to get a regular job when you graduate. So Right after graduation, I moved to Austin, Texas. I was fortunate enough to get a job at Apple and um, doing product analysis with them. And um, a year and a half into it, I just, I just knew that this was not for me. I knew I wanted to become a successful woman. I knew I wanted to become a billionaire, which is something that I say very often. And I knew there was no way I was going to get to that stage, climbing my way through the corporate ladder. And this was in early 2017 when data science and just the AI was booming. So I said, I want to build a company very similar to some of the big tech companies out there. Um, and when I think, when you think of like, what was my motivation? Where do I get the confidence? I think when you have something so deep, like burning inside of you, um, the best thing is just let it go. And that's exactly what I did. And with every single company that I've started since then, when I have a strong feeling, like a strong sense of like purpose, I always go for it. Um, you mentioned, you know, getting a job at Apple. Was it, how difficult is it as an international student to, to land a job in the U.S.? It is actually very hard <laughs> um, and it's very hard because um, 
the company has to be able to make sure that they couldn't find any U.S. Um, citizen to do the job before they can hire you. And uh, not only that, like if they have to fight for your paperwork and everything, like um, there's just so many processes um, that goes in hand that a lot of companies don't want to deal with that. And they rather just like, you know, like if they can find a U.S. candidate, they will always go for the U.S. candidate before going for the international student. And which is why a lot of international students just end up going back to their country to hopefully find um, a job. I think um, I was lucky enough. I, you know, I arrived, I was in the right place at the right time. Um, mm -hmm. And I really think that's how I was capable of getting this particular job. But um, I wouldn't say it's an easy process for any international student out there. One of the things I read was that you were so you were so anxious to start working. You were kind of rushing through school, taking as many courses as you you know could at one time. How did you stay away from kind of you know the nonsense of your peers? So young people, when they're in college, they can be distracted by all of the other things that are going on outside of the classroom, yeah. and you didn't do that. Tell me yeah. about. Yeah, your your focus and how you how you did that. Yeah, I like to say that I'm not always the smartest in the room. Um, I did not I I did not always have the best grades, and I think I mentioned this to you earlier. Um, but if there was anything that I knew, it's like when I want something, I go for it. Um, the reason why I was capable of graduating high school at the age of fifteen is because I did not want to be in school. Um, so I knew that if I just study a little bit harder and if I took big chances that people would not normally take, um, I would finish faster. For example, I skipped two years. Like I didn't go the regular route. It's four years to be able to graduate high school. I did it in two. Um, and even when I moved to the US, it takes on average four years uh, for somebody to complete their degree. I took it in three years and a few months because um, I was, working full-time i was taking the maximum number of classes i could take just so that i can graduate early and and to be quite frank i i don't just like school like i don't think school was for me i think i went to school because i knew it would make my dad happy but i knew i wanted to be in business i like i always wanted to be an entrepreneur um and i didn't think because I, I feel like you go to school because you want to get a job and that was never my purpose that was never going to be my path um and being capable to stay in the u.s legally i had to like go through school and eventually graduate talk about the moment you recognized that your whole goal was to give back to the continent of africa you know you're you're very very focused in that and um you know, your company is investing in, in tech startups. So there must have been a moment when you when you decided that was specifically where you were going to um, give back. Yeah, I think um, very early on um, in my entrepreneurial days, um, I have always had a vision. Sometimes I like to say I felt like I was Mandela <laughs> um, writing in my journal. Um, and, and what I mean by that is have, like growing up in Cameroon and just seeing some of the challenges that we face. And when you grow up, you don't think that you don't think anything. You don't think that, you know, you, you know, people in your country are struggling or anything like you just grow up. You're a happy kid. 
But when I moved to the US and I saw some of like how advanced technology was, like how great our roads were, like everything was just like nice, clean, simple, like your life was just good. I was like, oh my gosh, like I have been able to experience both sides of the wall. And I want to figure out how I can change the perspective of everything else, like the way Africa has been perceived by the rest of the world, but also I want to make an impact on the African continent, like the way we live as Africans. And I've always said that I hope by God's grace, I live to see a world where you know, the average African country has, you know, access to like the average African on the continent have access to great health care, right? We have good schools, like we have great roads. Um, like just our life is um, impactful and easier, like, and, and we're not considered either a developing country or a developing continent anymore, right? Um, and the perception of like what Africa is, is change. And um, as I've been thinking about this, I know that um, multiple companies are coming up, right? Like you have a hundred ideas of different companies um, and you know deep in your mind that there's no way you're going to start all of these companies. Um, and as I went through my entrepreneurial journey, but I knew I want to start something. I always said, I brought Africa in everything that I did. My first company, Data Gig, uh, we partnered with a program on the continent um, to be able to train software engineers. My second company, I decided I wanted to hire on the African continent. I said, hey, like we're growing our team instead of looking at India or Latam or any other places, let's hire in Africa. We have amazing software engineers. And I think that was really an awakening because as I grew my second company, I was exposed to venture capital money. And I saw the power of what venture capital money can help a company, can help the economy and many other things. And the more I got involved with the engineers on the continent, the more we encountered several challenges. I mean, I'm talking things like basic, like cross-border payment, payroll, finding the talent. And I said, there must be a better way. Somebody must have had this idea and somebody's probably building this somewhere. And the more I searched, the more I found people. The more I found people, the more I got excited. And I said, you know what? I want to be part of this story. Like a lot of these ideas are ideas that I've had. And I'm super excited to see that everybody, like there's so many people out there, so many entrepreneurs who are building this idea. What can I do to impact the life of these entrepreneurs? So I started writing small checks angel investing, advising, helping founders. The more I did it, the more I was like, oh my gosh, like this is my mission, this is my purpose. I have always had so many ideas and I'm trying to figure out how can I put these ideas in the world. But the reality is that I don't have to be the one to do it. I can just help bridge um, the gap between access to capital and resources and these entrepreneurs and I know um, so many lives are going to be changed. The more entrepreneurs we can fund, the more they can hire employees, the more the life of these employees' lives can be impacted, and the more we can change the economy. Like, that's my goal um, when I decided that I wanted to go ahead and launch Agile Capital. So one of the toughest, toughest things is the beginning. And where do you get that first 
investor? Uh, where do you get that first venture capitalist? And who was your very first investor? Yeah, so I actually have a technology background, actually. Um, technology, yes. was it, and, and mathematics? You're so I did a degree in mathematics and statistics, um, which is considered to be STEM, but not only that, um, my last two companies were technology companies. The first one I actually have built on uh, the actual product. Um, and then in the second one, again, very, very tech focused, very like a huge emphasis on um, open source software. So I, I, I do have a good understanding of like, just like the tech world and like tech startups. Okay. And um, can you talk about your very first investor? Who, who was that? Yeah, so my very first investor as a startup, because <laughs> they uh, not as a venture capitalist, was actually my co-founder from my last startup. So when we met, um, he was just, I think he was just excited about my curiosity, how uh, enthusiastic I was about just um, building um, a, a, my, my last startup. And he was like, hey, you need to like, I love what you're doing. I love what you're building. How about um, we come into a partnership and then build a second company? Like he decided to put the initial investment um, before we can go out and raise money. So I would say he was definitely the first um, investor um, that I've ever experienced um, as a founder. Yeah. Um, when we're going to go into our first break, when we come back, I know you talk very openly about the fact that every every startup is is not a success. And, you know, you've had a couple failures of your own that you talk about. And I'd love to for you to just talk about how you kind of move past that. How do you not let that stop you from continuing to move forward? Uh, stay with us as we go into our break and you'll see a beautiful highlight from one of our partners, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Uh, CEO Madeline Bell is our CEO watch contributor, and they've put together a beautiful um, spot talking about all the great things they've been doing. We'll be right back with Eunice Ajim. We are CHOP. And we can't wait to show you around. We're the nation's first children's hospital. Now, a care network with more than 50 locations that continues to expand. Three state-of-the-art research buildings with 1.5 million square feet of space. We have grown from 12 beds 165 years ago to nearly 600 beds and one of the best children's hospitals in the world. We have a level one trauma center, 11 floors of patient units, more than 20 operating rooms, first of its kind delivery unit for babies with birth defects, a separate cardiac operative and catheterization suite, and places to learn like our internationally recognized simulation center. We have trained generations of leaders in the field of pediatrics. We are world leaders in medicine, surgery, and science. One of the top recipients in NIH funding for pediatric research. In this building, pioneers in CAR-T therapy, mitochondrial disease, brain tumors, hyperinsulinism, and other rare diseases. Here, Groundbreaking work in fetal surgery, 
genetics and genomics, and neurology. In our newest building, leaders in social determinants of health, clinical informatics and epidemiology, autism, trauma and injury prevention. Our patients come from every state and 115 countries. Meeting these challenges requires the best and the brightest. We are passionate about pediatrics. We are motivated to make a difference in the world and in our community. We are a team. We are CHOP. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I'm Sue Rocco, and I'm joined this week by Eunice Ajim. And Eunice is the founding partner of her own firm, Ajim Capital, which invests specifically in tech startups in Africa. And um, just before the break, I, I was talking about, you know, I, I hate to even use the word failure because I think it's more um, trying things and, and eliminating what's not working, right? But um, you talk very openly about the fact that, you know, your first couple of startups were not successful. What did you learn? Yeah, definitely. Um, and you're very right. Uh, so, like failure is a such a weird word, but I think um, failure are stepping stones and lessons. Like you use them to be able to learn um, for the future. And I failed so many times. Um, I think like if there's anything that I have learned along the way is that when you start when when I start a company, I don't measure success based um of months or one year. I think I measure success based off of five, 10, 20 years. Um and and we have not gotten there yet. Um and every single failure was like I think it happened for a reason. Um, when I talk about my first company, for example, the first startup, tech startup that I've ever started, um, one year into it, I'm struggling. Like, um, I can't pay my bills. I become homeless. Uh, I can't meet up with my car note. My car get repossessed. And through the midst of it all, um, I wake up every single day. I put my makeup on. I wear my suit. I used to wear a lot of suits. <laughs> And I show up, I show up to every meeting, like nothing has ever happened. And I think sometimes God put um, so many challenges in front of us um, to prepare us for what he has planned. And if you can just um, remember that every time you're going through so many challenges, I think you can overcome anything. If you don't give up um, or feel like, you know, that challenge was, you know, your breaking point, um, then, you know, things are going to get better. And those are things that I've learned um, along the way. I don't think anything comes easy in life. If everything is going well, 
in your life where you're like, hey, everything is perfect. Like I'm running my business. I am growing. I'm not having any challenge then. Um, that's great for you. But just understand that maybe you're, you're getting comfortable. Like for you to get to the next level, things happen. You got to get uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and like just like you brush it off, you learn and then you move to the next thing. How about um, how do you deal with difficult people? I think one of the things we face as entrepreneurs is perhaps trusting people that we shouldn't. Um, and that's a really difficult thing to begin working with someone and then learning it's not a good fit. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there are two things that I, I would do in those particular scenarios. Um, the first one is if you've really tried and you've provided constructive feedback, um and it's still not working out um don't wait too long um cut it off um and what i mean by that i'll take one simple example like for example if you hire a co-founder um and you know six months or one year into the relationship you realize that either they are not giving a hundred percent as you are or things are not just working out um fire fast hire slow and fire fast um because the longer you drag it um, the more that could actually bring you down as well. And you have to be able to understand when is the right time for me to like make a decision to let this person go. And when is the right time for me to keep working? Because, you know, maybe something minor. And I think maybe with the right training uh, or the right resources or the right network, we can make this work. So mm -hmm. I've learned to differentiate between those two kinds of people. And when I figure it out, I either let it go or I provide the right resources to make sure that, you know, this person either gets to the level that I want them to be there. But if it's literally just a toxic relationship, cut it off. Yeah, yeah that's good advice. Um, tell me about what, what is the most exciting thing right now about the ecosystem in Africa? Yeah, I mean, so many things. I could talk all day <laughs> <laughs> on why I'm excited about the African ecosystem. I think, first off, um, over the last 20 to 30 years, without exaggeration, we have seen um, a tremendous, from the dot-com to where we are at today, we have seen an exponential growth of technology ad adoption and just digitalization across the U.S., so many amazing companies have come up to make our life either cheaper, you know, better, easier to some form. And um, I think we've seen similar changes happen in China, in Europe, um, very recently in Latam and India. And I think Africa is just picking it up. Um, we have a thriving young population um and that population i like to tell this to everybody um like the average kid in africa especially the young the young ones now with access to internet the average african have mobile phones and laptops um they see the same thing that we see right mm -hmm. like all of us we want to have that mansion right we all want to have that ferrari right the same things like the, the flashy things um, if you're or more the older or more responsible side, you want better education for your kids. You know, you want your, 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 your family to have access to really good quality healthcare. And I think, and you want to make your life easier. And when you, you learn the power of software and technology, you try to start looking at applications and apps um, on different things that technology can do to make your life easier. And I think 
we are getting there. Like, and, and, and Africa has so many, so many challenges, but I truly believe that those challenges are opportunities and the right entrepreneurs are taking on these opportunities and making something beautiful about it. And I think I can't wait for the rest of the world to see some of the amazing things that these entrepreneurs are building. Um, so yeah, like so many things exciting happening across the continent um, from a fintech level, from a healthcare perspective, um, agriculture, tech, uh, education, um, so many innovative ways are being built um, just to like, you know, bring, uh, build the digital infrastructure of the continent. You know, you mentioned the flashy things. And I think <laughs> we all know that ultimately those flashy things are not what brings any of us happiness, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious when you reach that level of success that I know you're headed towards and you build your empire, right? And you have the resources what's the most important thing you would like to see changed in Africa among all of those that you listed? What is most dear to your heart? Oh, man. Um, that is a good question, Susan. <laughs> and I think I should have probably thought a little bit deeper about that question. Like when I do reach that level of success that I'm pursuing, um, what do you do? Like what's next? Um, and I think my, like anybody out there, right, my first priority is my family, right? I want to make sure that um, they are comfortable and I can provide for them. And when I say family in the African way, it's not just your husband and your kids. It's like your parents, your sisters, your uncles, your aunties. Um, it's settled. But on the broader perspective, um, it's truly making sure that, you know, I leave a mark across the African continent um, for the younger generation, um, impacting them by um, creating as many jobs as possible. Um, I like to say that I'm a capitalist. Um, I don't believe in um, just giving. I believe in teaching um, and helping you build um, on your own. So just making sure that I offer as many resources as possible um, to make sure that as many and many Africans are impacted um, and can get um, to a level of success that um, is comfortable for them as well. Can you talk to me about the women in, in the technology community in Africa? What's the, you know, not exact stats, but, you know, the numbers of women versus men that are starting their own companies? Yeah, I don't, and, and it's funny that you're asking for not specific stats, but it's actually a statistic, and um, I might be wrong exactly on the numbers, that there are actually more women entrepreneurs in Africa than in the rest of the world. So like, a wow. lot, yes, so a lot of African women are actually the one starting businesses than men on the continent. Um, and a lot of the times, um, um, from what I've seen, it's like, you know, they either start an agriculture, so like they harvest food and then they sell it in the markets, mm -hmm. or they start fashion companies. Um, there are so many women, and I, and I encounter, and, and it's so unfortunate that when I look at the stats, specifically for what I do, of like venture capital money going into uh, companies on the continent, it's very similar stats like in the U.S., where it is ridiculously low 
um, across the African continent, even though statistically speaking, there are actually more women entrepreneurs than there are men. Um, so that is something that I definitely take into consideration when I'm making my investment decisions. Um, like, do you have any woman um, on your cap table or on the founding team? Um, like, what are some of the things that you're doing to make sure that, you know, women are equally represented within your organization as men? So it is still a work in progress. Like, women is not just an issue in the US, it is an issue, like, you know, like women funding and just, you know, empowering women in general um, through entrepreneurship is something that is affecting um, African women as well. Yeah, you you were talking about the questions that you ask with regard to, to women. And how about just when you're looking at a company um, and their portfolio and, and who they are and what they're doing, what are you looking for specifically to make that decision to invest? What are some of the questions you're asking them to find out that this is, um, you know, one that you want to take a risk with, really? Yeah, so within our organization, we have something that we call the five T's. Um, and this uh, are really what we like to look at when making an investment decision. The first one is a team, right? It's the most important um, because we invest so early into an entrepreneurial uh, journey, like into a startup journey. Uh, we want to make sure that first um, the team, either you're a co you have co-founders or you're a solo founder, that you have either prior experience in the industry that you're serving or um, you have prior founder experience. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Because uh, we truly believe that, I mean, entrepreneurship is super hard if you're trying to build a company that you've never, you know, like you just woke up and you're like, I'm going to build this. Uh, it becomes, it, it can be very difficult for you to accomplish um, a lot. 
Um, the second thing that we look is the product, which we call, um, um, oh my God, it's a product uh, technology. <laughs> uh, so we look at uh, the technology, like how easy it is for your customer to use it. Like what are the impacts? Like is it, is it working? Um, and then the next one we look is your traction. Like have you made any money? Like has any customer, has somebody paid you to say you're fixing this problem for me? Um, and actually giving you money. The next one we look at is timing. I think what we have seen is that a lot of African founders try to copy what has been done in the US and try to mimic it in the African ecosystem, but is the timing right? Like is the Africa, like is, is your country, is Nigeria ready to like accept this product? Um, is the market big enough? Um, and then the last one, but not the least is temperament. I truly believe that being a founder is not just about knowing, having product, having customers, it's also about being a visionary. Mm. Do you have the, 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 do you have the temperament to be able to attract customers, to be able to attract the best employees, to be able to like attract investors. And it takes a different kind of human um, to be able to do that. I'm curious about, I, I want to talk more about you and who you are and, uh, you know, what allows you to be, first of all, I would say you're an optimist. Um, you know, you're just, you know, continually optimistic. How do you remain calm when you're working with large amounts of other people's money? Um, <laughs> I think that it is, it is a lot of pressure, right? Um, on your back um, to be able to make sure that you're making um, the right investment decision. I think um, I like. To, I remember when I got my first check as a venture capitalist. Um, when somebody said, "Eunice, I believe in you. Like I believe that you have the right perspective and the right knowledge to be able to go out there and pick the right companies." And in my mind, I was first mind blown, like I was blown away that somebody would even believe in me and give me a lot of money um, right. to go invest on their behalf. But I think it also takes a certain amount of confidence. It takes a certain amount of audacity. And I think we need more women, right? Um, it's easier for a lot of men to go out there and to be able to do what I'm doing. Um, but it takes a different kind of confidence to be able to go out there and say, hey, believe in me, um, give me, um, uh, like invest in my fund, um, because I truly think I have the right expertise to be able to find and fund the right um, businesses. Um, it's a lot of pressure, but when you're making the right decision and you believe with your whole heart and mind and soul that you're going to bring a return on your investment, you're at peace with your decision. And wouldn't you say it's so much about relationships and the way mm -hmm. we communicate with people? Um, it's sometimes when we talk about women, the, we talk about the soft skills uh, that we're now recognizing really are very powerful in business, yes. right? As a part, as opposed to kind of that hard cutthroat, um, aggressive way that perhaps men go after success. Do you think about that? Do you just, is that something that you are, are proud that success has come to you because you are truly being your full self when you're, when you're working? 
I think so. Um, and a lot of my uh, investors tell me the same thing. Um, if there's anything is, I don't try to fake who I am, like what you see to what you get. Um, I And I share a lot of like my story. I share a lot of my processes uh, with the internet, which is how you found out about me and um, how a lot of my investors you find, find out about me. A lot of the times when they, they decide, okay, like I want to meet Eunice, I want to make an investment in Eunice, um, it's because they have done a lot of their due diligence. They, they see the way I express myself on the internet. They probably have watched some of my interviews um, and they said, oh my gosh, like she's very real. She speaks very vulnerably about her story. Um, and I'm very open about, you know, some of my failures, some of my successes and where I'm heading, uh, which I think in this particular industry, especially at the stage where we invest, I don't think anybody truly knows, like founders at the end of the day, 90% of startups fail. Um, but um, if you truly believe in, in, in a mission and in a purpose um, and you have the right conviction, I think that can be seen through the glasses and people, you know, eventually trust you. Yeah. Tell me if, if I were to ask you, we just have a minute left, one person in the United States that you would love to be able to sit down and have dinner with, who would that be? Oh, this is going to sound cliche, but it would be Oprah Winfrey. Oh, okay. Well, listen, she's a good one. She's a trailblazer, right? She is. Yes. Yes. Um, I grew up thinking that I'll be very similar to Oprah. Um, I think even with what I'm doing, I think I do want to uh, share a lot of the beautiful things that are happening to the world, like to Africa, to the world. Um, I think Africa has a very negative perspective, you know, and view throughout. Like when you think, when people think Africa, they think poverty, you know, like war, corruption, blah, blah, blah. I want to switch that around. And I think if I had a platform similar to Oprah, even though I'm a venture capitalist, I want to show the rest of the world that like things are actually very different than what we're thinking. And we're progressing, like things are getting, you know, like really good. Um, and if you're not investing in Africa, um, you should be rethinking your decision. Yeah. Well, I, I think one day you're going to land. Well, she doesn't have her show anymore, but she's doing all kinds of things. And um, if you're not on her radar, you will be soon. Amen <laughs> to that. <laughs> yes. Listen, thank you so much for taking time to share your story. And um, we'll be sharing your information and more with our network. And um, I wish you continued success. Thank you very much, Suzanne, for having me. Stay tuned. And uh, coming up next will be Sherry Morrison, our Lifestyle Watch contributor. And she'll be talking to Christina Martinez, chef, restaurant owner, and activist here in Philadelphia. We'll be right back. Action News, celebrating 50 years of AccuWeather. The heat is on. In 2010, Philadelphia had a record of 55 days at or over 90 degrees. And those scorchers, they're on the rise. In fact, 10 of the 15 hottest summers occurred in the last two decades. Thank you for always trusting us to keep you informed. You're streaming and we're streaming. Get the AccuWeather forecast and severe storm alerts 24-7 on our 6ABC streaming app. Whether you're just getting started, already well on your way, planning for your future, drafting your vision, growing toward greatness, or finding that dreams really can come true. 
Whatever your next steps are, we'll be right here with you, just like we have been for 150 years. Start here, grow here, stay here. Penn Community Bank, here we grow. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The following is a real testimonial from the father of a young injured victim. I didn't think she was going to make it. Major Perry's daughter was the victim of a horrific accident caused by someone else's negligence. If you don't find the right counselor, law firm that you're looking for, you will get lost in the wilderness. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Bianculli Law Firm at 215-458-2222 and find out why they say, we got this. Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. The big story on Action News tonight. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Lifestyle segment of Women to Watch. Today, I'd like to welcome to the show activists for undocumented immigrants, founder of Right to Work, a James Beard Award winner, owner of restaurants South Philly Barbacoa and Casa Mexico, Chef Christina Martinez. Welcome to the show, Christina. Hola. <laughs> para mí es un honor que me hayan invitado a tu programa y bueno, estamos aquí para. Neither uh, Christina or I speak very good uh, of either of our languages. So fortunately, we have Aureli, Christina's assistant, to assist us with the translation. Thank you, thank you, Aureli, for all of your help this week. Of course. And Christina says thank you for having her, and it's a privilege. My pleasure. Christina is a very smart, strong, brave, and hardworking woman. Um, Cristina, please tell us a little bit about your early years and where you're from. Soy mexicana, eh, soy de Capuloac, Estado de México, y estoy aquí en Filadelfia desde el 2009. So she's from Capuloac, Mexico, which is a city near the Mexico City in the state of Mexico, and she's been here in Philadelphia since 2009. Um, Cristina, can you tell us a little bit about the right to work, and I don't know if um, we will have time to go back and forth between the two of you. Maybe Aureli, if you can tell us directly uh, more about the, the right to work and um, the mission and why Christina is so passionate about this. Sure. I think the right to work is uh, a fight to uh, fight for workers' rights because often I'm since they are undocumented workers or they, uh, the employees don't have to give them insurance or anything like that, any other privileges that are given to employees. So Christina focuses on turning both her restaurants into uh, treats them as schools for people that have recently arrived 
into the U.S. that are looking for work and teaches them how to work, teaches them skills that then they can go look for another job whenever they're ready and, and say that they're prepared um, and say, say that they're ready to work. So Christina focuses on helping and supporting people that have recently arrived and that perhaps are just looking uh, for an opportunity here in the U.S. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. I had my own manufacturing company for 24 years and uh, a lot of my employees were from El Salvador. Uh, many of them didn't speak English. Uh, many of them were undocumented. And um, it was a challenge uh, for them to get work. Uh, but I, I have to say that they were the best workers in the whole wide world. We were a family. Um, and I needed to support them as much as they supported me. They, they were the most reliable people uh, I, I could imagine having. It was very hard to find people who were willing to work that hard. And a lot of them went on to start their own businesses, which was fabulous. You know, you always want to see people grow. Um, Christina also helped support the culture and the community working with an organization called Amber, Amber Collective by having four art shows a year for three months at a time. I was super excited when I met with Christina to be joined by mural artist, Betsy Casanis, who I interviewed a couple of months ago. It's great. I, I mean, I understand everything that Christina does is about community and supporting the people that support her um, because we're, we're only as good as the people that work with us. So um, the articles in Bon Appetit naming her restaurant one of the 10 best new restaurants in the U.S., the James Beard Award, the Netflix programs like Chef's Table and Somebody Feed Phil have opened doors for you, Christina, and your growth. Can you tell us a little bit about what's next for you? What, what are your plans? Pues ahora en nuestros nuevos planes estamos eh, yendo a en los proyectos que están en, en nuestras manos, pues es... Eh, abrir en Brooklyn con la barbacoa jueves y viernes, eh, dar más de servicio, estar más activos con la comida para picar en Casa México y en barbacoa. Estamos abiertos para recibir a toda la gente que nos quiera visitar y disfrutar de esa experiencia de las tortillas y la comida. So we, we're excited about opening a kitchen in Brooklyn for delivery and pickup. Uh, Thursdays and Fridays will be open there in Brooklyn, New York, and also here in Cabo in Barbacoa. We're always open and waiting uh, for everyone to come uh, with our doors open. Um, y pues también tenemos uh, unos pequeños planes de viajar a ciudades como Las Vegas para conocer a otros inversionistas y, y relacionarnos un poco más para abrir más puertas para la gente que viene atrás de mí. We're also excited for some upcoming projects, meeting, going to Las Vegas and meeting with inver uh, investors for uh, become to become bigger and become wide um, and continue growing from here. Algo de lo más importante, pues que como activista siempre he pedido que pues se pueda hacer una amnistía para que todos tengamos la oportunidad de viajar a nuestros países. As an immigrant, I always wanted to uh, form some sort of alliance or treaty that allows people to travel to their home countries. Esto nos daría una oportunidad muy grande para todos y también pues ser embajadora de la comida 
en la industria pues aquí en Estados Unidos. This would be really important for everyone as well as um, she wants to become a cultural ambassador and push for the culture, Mexican culture, um, that will also allow her to keep thinking about her activism, her fight for undocumented workers, um, and continue working on getting people rights. It's a wonderful mission. And I, I understand it's been a long time since you've been home and it's been a long time since you've seen your family especially your daughter i don't think that you've seen each other since you left is that correct pues no no he visto a carla ni a mis otros hijos tampoco eh, y pues es, estoy con la lucha de sobrevivir cada día para poder dar luz a, a con la esperanza de poder verla y abrazarnos y estar juntas un día she hasn't seen her daughter since coming here, but she wakes up every day fighting and working with the hope that one day she'll be able to have her join her or uh, Christina join her daughter. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll be successful. You've got the drive. Um, you're good at what you do. And, I, and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing that happen and um, meeting your daughter. Um, what are some of the favorite dishes at the different, at your two restaurants? Eh, pues me gusta mucho los tacos de nopales por las mañanas, pero el plato fuerte de barbacoa es eh, el taco de pancita con salsita y limón, que es el, el, lo que más me gusta. Y de Casa México, el mole es muy delicioso con las tortillas. The, from barbacoa, he really likes the tacos de nopal, which is the cactus. Uh, and also what we sell is the tacos de pancita and with the salsas, the veggies. Uh, and from our Casa Mexico restaurant, she really likes the mole, which is a traditional uh, dish from Mexico, full of spices and chocolate. And obviously with the, with the amazing tortillas that we have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they are amazing. Um, and I had the mole, it was delicious. I had the red and the green, really, really yummy. I can't wait to go back and try the barbacoa. Uh, I've never, I never realized how it was made. It's, it's actually made in a pit. Um, so it's, it's really, really a, a complicated process. Well, we are out of time. Um, I want to thank you both for your time and uh, explaining everything to us, Aureli and uh, Christina, for all the great work you do. We really appreciate it. Pues muchas gracias y para mí es un honor haber compartido con esta experiencia y por, por saber que hay más mujeres que pueden tener éxito como yo y si pude yo, pues todos tienen la oportunidad. Uh, I'll just translate really quickly. I know we're out of time. Uh, she says, thank you. It's really been an honor to join you here and meet you and talk with you. And also, uh, she knows that there's many women that are working and if there's one, if there's an opportunity for one, there's an opportunity for everyone. Thank you again. For more information about Christina, her community work, the restaurants, having food shipped by Goldbelly, which can go anywhere in the country, upcoming shows and the right to work, go to Instagram, Casa Mexico PHL, and either Instagram or Facebook for Barbacoa Restaurant, uh, South Philly Barbacoa, bar at Barbacoa Chef. Christina and Riley, thank you again. Sue will be right back to close out the show. Ladies, keep living your dreams. Action News, celebrating 50 years of AccuWeather. 
The heat is on. In 2010, Philadelphia had a record of 55 days at or over 90 degrees. And those scorchers, they're on the rise. In fact, 10 of the 15 hottest summers occurred in the last two decades. Thank you for always trusting us to keep you informed. You're streaming and we're streaming. Get the AccuWeather forecast and severe storm alerts 24-7 on our 6ABC streaming app. Whether you're just getting started, already well on your way, planning for your future, drafting your vision, growing toward greatness, or finding that dreams really can come true. Whatever your next steps are, we'll be right here with you, just like we have been for 150 years. Start here, grow here, stay here. Penn Community Bank, here we grow. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The following is a real testimonial from the father of a young injured victim. I didn't think she was going to make it. Major Perry's daughter was the victim of a horrific accident caused by someone else's negligence. If you don't find the right counselor, law firm that you're looking for, you will get lost in the wilderness. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Bianculli Law Firm at 215-458-2222 and find out why they say, we got this. Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. The big story on Action News tonight. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I want to give a thank you to our production team, as always, Tone and Kateri, for putting the show together. Thank you to our watch team. And coming up after my sign-off will be Tracy Samia. She is our brand new Leadership Watch team member, and she's the CEO of Lancer Skin Care. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Sheila Robinson, and she's the CEO and founder of Diversity Woman Media. Have a great week, everyone, and stay with us for Tracy. We can do a summer party. (laughs) It's the weather. Can we do the show outside or on the roof? (laughs) Weekdays at 9 on 6ABC. Hello, fellow leaders. I was recently asked to be on a panel um, for the Iranian American Women's Foundation. And the topic was the age-old question of the Superwoman Act. Can we have it all? Can we do it all? Having a life, a professional career, marriage, children, what's what's the answer there? And the competitive person in me immediately was like, yes, of course we can. And I'm a CEO, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I've raised two children. Absolutely. Just we've got to get some hard work going and resilience and uh, put some elbow grease into it and everything will be fine. But then I had to take a really step back and say, 
how can we message this narrative to the future leaders and the, the women in the workforce today where it actually makes sense to them? Because maybe for my generation, that kind of messaging of just get on with it worked. We were the baby boomers. We never gave up. We did everything that needed to be done. But today's generation needs a different narrative. They need it broken down a little bit differently because women are leaving the workforce at a faster rate than ever before. So how can we take key learnings and help and mentor the next generation to be able to take a stab at having it all, but in their own way? So when I looked at that, I thought, okay, I can't just come at this and say, go out there and get it done. And that mantra worked and it's going to continue working. I've got to break this down into how can somebody else take this formula and make it work for them. And my starting place has always been my why. Why do I want to have a professional career? Why do I want to balance it all? And my answer to myself was financial independence. That was my why as to the center of my universe. Once I figured out my why, the road ahead was very clear. You get this guiding light that really helps you with every decision and every corner that you come to. So that would be my first take is get the central point of your why. After that, I looked at it and said, OK, how do I get to my why? There's three pillars that worked for me. One was making sure that I had absolutely the best support structure in my private life as well as in my business life. So in my private life, my partner had to work with me and be fluid and we had to take on the dance of life together. Our work schedules had to work together. If I was in a function where I was doing a lot of heavy traveling, then I needed to have a support structure at home with my children while they were young. And for me, that meant having a living. And there's decisions and trade-offs to be made in that. It's not perfect for everybody, but for me, it worked. I didn't want to do the drive of dropping my children off, rushing to get them from daycare. I wanted their routines to be strong and simple at home until they went to school. So the trade-off of having a live-in and losing some of my privacy worked for me emotionally to make sure my home structure was set up. So my partner was very supportive. I had a live-in that was very supportive with balancing my life schedule. And then looking at my work schedule, I'm a firm believer of building teams, hiring really, really well, giving them the runway to do what they need to do and to getting out of their way. So having a strong team at work that was extremely good at what they did so that only about 90%, 10% of their day rolled up into me. And the rest of it, they've got to be taken care of. So for me to be able to manage this balance, I needed two very strong support groups, spheres that were working in order for me to do what I wanted to do. The next, the next point that I really, really focused on was harnessing compartmentalization and time management and being truly unapologetic about living in each moment of my life fully dedicated. So if I'm home, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I am not my title, I am not my rank, I am not the job that I do, I am wife and mum. And when I'm at the office or I'm traveling for business, that's where my focus is unapologetically. So this compartmentalization, and it's really, it, it, it's not something you can perfect in a day 
or read a book and think that's it, I'm going to switch a button. It's an intentional mindset every single moment of the day to, to live each compartment separately as if you're doing a role play and you, you are walking into an act and that's what you've got to do here and then the next act and the next act. And refining that consistently was something that was very, very valuable to me. And the last pillar of my system was taking care of my emotional well-being. In today's world, it's very, very easy to get caught up in the physical look of beauty, the physical sense of well-being. And for me, the the the, the priority, the, the centerpiece of well-being is the is the mental health, because where the mind goes, the body follows. And so finding systems, finding routines, finding things that you do that build up your emotional and mental stamina and well-being, whether that's joining a group, whether that's taking walks, knowing how to decompress. For me, it was a sense of learning how to calm myself down through breathing. It was a sense of um, meditating, but not necessarily in the sense of, I have to take a yoga class and then we're gonna go into a meditation zone. I could sit at my desk and quiet my mind and transport myself into a sense of calm and peace. So whatever needed to be done for me to maintain that, that core balance of my mental well-being had to be a central point of taking care of myself. Recently, very interestingly, I did a group lunch with my team at work and we went around the table and we have people with different levels of experience. Um, some have family, some don't, um, any a, a wonderful mix of people. And we said, okay, you know, how's everybody getting on at work? What seems to be the thing that, you know, consumes you or you'd like to talk about? And hands down, the number one answer was anxiety. Regardless of age, gender, years of experience, anxiety was the key thing that would come up for people. And it's that sense of balancing everything. Um, and so with that, we took a moment to say, okay, you know, this month, everybody can sign up for one of the wonderful apps that are out there, um, whether to do with sleeping, meditation, relaxation, and just give it a go. Introduce something new into your day. We'll take care of the financials and see if that could help you in any way. But when you talk to a group of people at work from all walks of life, and the common factor is managing anxiety, it's really, really telling. And it's it's a big cue for how important emotional well-being is and how we have to prioritize that. So for me, uh, in terms of the Superwoman Act, um, this was the system that I carved out. I would say the main message is every single person has to carve out their message through learnings, through talking to others, through experimenting and trying systems. But it's a lifelong journey. There is no perfection. There is no, if I do step one, two, and three, I'm going to get it, and, and that's it. No, it's an everyday trial and error, giving it your best shot, and, and narrowing it down to what works for you. I hope that that's been helpful. And in closing, I'd like to finish with a little bit of humor. I'm glad to say that I have a daughter who's 26, and my son is 24. And neither one have grown up to write a book to say that because my mom worked, it screwed up our lives. So there is definitely success um, and joy in being able to do it all and to have your family. 
and your professional life and career aspirations. It's just finding your own way to get it done. And with that, I'll leave you until we meet again. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on can Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.